Word now. So if you have your Bibles, please go to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21. This is literally just one verse. We're going to read this and we're going to unpack uh, what the Lord has for us uh, today. So 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How many of you like origin stories, like the origin stories, right? Like Batman or Superman, you know, Aquaman, kind of know kind of the backstory of these, of these superheroes, right? Because when you know the backstory, then you can like connect some dots. You're like, oh, that's why this happens, or that's why he's allergic to kryptonite, or like you understand the backstory of, of these things. You're able to connect the dots. Have you guys ever done Ancestry.com? Me, you guys, Ancestry.com, 23andMe, that kind of stuff. It's interesting. My family, we actually did that uh, a few months ago, and it was really interesting. Some of the data that we got was actually really surprising, and then there were other data that was just kind of like, okay, this is part of like, like what we were, we were expecting. But it's really cool that, to be able to connect the dots to, to where you come from or a little bit of the context of where you're at. Have you ever been at a mall or at Disneyland, or you, and you look at this, this huge map of the whole place and you're like this doesn't make any sense like where am I supposed to go but all of a sudden you see this dot that says you are here so you look at that dot you're like okay so this is where I'm at so now I know where where to go so the reason why I bring all that up is because I think sometimes as Christians in our walk with Christ or even as we come into this space as a church like we do a bunch of things we do you know communion we do baptism uh, sometimes you read the scripture but you need some context like sometimes maybe you're wondering like where are we in this story have you ever met someone who you know you talk to someone you've known them for a while and then you know someone else and you've kind of known them for a while and all of a sudden you realize that they're related and you're like, oh, that makes, that makes complete sense. Like, I know why you're this way. And like, you have some context you can understand. And so what I want to do today, I'm actually going to preach a message in a, in a way that I've never preached before. And I, I hope that this is helpful for you because what I want to do is be able to connect some dots for you to be able to understand where you are at today. Um, because like I was saying before, maybe you come into the space and you don't, you don't have all the dots connected. Like you come to church and maybe you don't even know what denomination we are or where we come from. Are we Protestant, Catholic, Lutheran? Like what is, what is this experience right now? So my hope is that you will be able to hear this message and then in the next 25 minutes I'll be able to explain kind of the context of where we're at and you can hopefully say, oh yeah, okay. Now that makes sense. Like now I understand why we do the things that we do. So now the question becomes, where do we start? How about Adam and Eve? Let's go all the way back to Genesis. Sound good? You guys want to take this journey with me? I'm going to do this the best that I can. So we're going to go back. So the book of Genesis talks about Adam and Eve, and don't be scared. I will try to go as quickly as possible. But here's the thing. Before the creation of the earth, God had a plan. He had a plan. And the plan that he had is that he would find a group of people that would love him and that would follow him. He wanted a group of people that would love him and that would, would follow him. This is the whole thing. God is, is looking for a people that will follow him and that will love him. And we could argue that, that 
at the heart of every war, every disease, every death, every abuse, every suffering, it is because people have turned away from God and decided to not walk with God and to not love God. Now, love is an interesting one. Because love, you could say, man, God is looking for a people that will love him, right? He wants people to, to love him. And, and, if, and if people would just love him and people would just follow God, then we would avoid all the suffering. We would avoid all the war. So the question then becomes, why doesn't God just create a people and just make them love him and make them follow him? Well, the reality is that, that love, so that love can actually be love, it has to be based on the foundation of free will. Which means you can, you can have someone at gunpoint and you can, you can say, love me, love me, love me, love me. And you may make that person say the words, I love you, but you can't make that person love you. And so the basis of love has to be free will. I have to willingly decide to follow and love someone. And so we see the unfolding of the entire Old Testament narrative on the basis of God looking for a people that will follow him and will love him willingly. And so we start with, with Adam and Eve in, in the Garden of Eden. This was, this was the first test. So Eden is the, is the archetypal um, shalom. It's the archetypal sort of like, like the epitome of happiness, the epitome of, of satisfaction. So, so Eden is basically what we all seek. Ultimately, inside of ourselves, we want to have this sense of fulfillment. This is what Adam and Eve experienced in the Garden of Eden. And so God looks at Adam and he says, maybe he will be the one that will love me and that and will lead a people that will follow me. And then comes the test, right? The tree. What's he going to choose? Is he going to choose me or is he going to choose the tree? Adam failed the test. Sin entered the world. And we went into this spiral of sin, right? So sin enters the world and creates all kinds, all kinds of, of problems. And so then God says, okay, I'm going to start over again. I'm going to, I'm going to redo the whole thing. So he takes, he takes Noah in Genesis chapter 6, and he takes this person called Noah. He says, maybe, maybe he will love me, and maybe he will lead a people who will, who will follow me. So he redoes the whole thing, the flood. And then Noah is by himself with this brand new family who, who we're going to restart the earth with. And he tells Noah the exact same thing that he tells Adam and Eve. He says, he says multiply and be, and be fruitful. But Noah didn't pass the sin test either. His son sinned. And then again, chaos enters the world, which is described in the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. So God didn't start over like he did with Noah, but he decides to choose another person. He says, maybe Abraham, we find this in Genesis chapter 12, maybe, maybe Abraham will be the one who will love me and the one who will lead a people that will love me and follow me. And God tests his love by, by taking his, his first son, Isaac, and saying, you got to sacrifice him for me. Who do you love more, your son or do you love me? And then he actually passes that that test, God stops him at the last minute, and then he realizes that, that, hey, maybe Abraham is the person that will fulfill this calling that I have. And then Isaac has, has Jacob, and then Jacob has 12 sons. Remember this? And then you're thinking, hey, maybe this is it. Maybe these are the 12 sons. Maybe this is going to be the people that God has always been looking for that will fulfill this calling of following him and loving him. The problem was that 
that Joseph uh, was uh, Jacob's favorite, right? And so his brothers were, were jealous, and they sold him into slavery. So his, his brothers sinned, and then, Je- and then Joseph went into Egypt and became second in command. At the same time, God was prospering Joseph, and then Israel was in the middle of famine. So the story unfolds, and then um, he's able to, to save uh, Israel, his family, into uh, Egypt, and then they become part of this um, Egyptian uh, uh, country. And then over time, over time, these Israelites who were uh, guests of honor, let's say, went from being guests of honor to becoming slaves for 400, 400 years. And so what happened to these, this people group? What happened to this people group that God was searching for? Remember his original plan. I want to I find a people group that will follow me and will, will love me. Well, it's not going too well so far. These people keep sinning. These people keep rebelling against, against God. And then we jump to the book of, of Exodus. Don't worry, I'm going to go faster. Enter Moses, right? A slave baby that ends up growing up in the palace. He realizes his family is being enslaved. So this slave baby grow, grows up in the palace and realizes that the Egyptians, his family, are being enslaved. And so out of, out of a moment of, of courage, I guess, or, you know, he just went out and then he killed... Um, he killed an, an, an Egyptian and then ran for his life to, to Midian. Just he, he was hiding out there for, for a while. And then that's the moment he comes to, God comes to him in the burning bush and puts this, this calling on his life to free Israel. And so the question becomes again, is Moses the guy? God's saying maybe he will be the one that will follow me and he will lead a people to follow me. He was obedient to God throughout History, right? He freezes people. He takes them out of Egypt into the promised land, right? Right into the promised land. So he gets out of Egypt and, man, right into the promised land, right? <sighs> no. Four years in the desert, just the testing of time. So that we could say that the 40 years in the desert was the proverbial tree, the Adam and Eve tree, this test. Like, is he actually going to love me? Are there going to... Are they going to love me? But Moses didn't pass the test either. He also sinned. Enter Joshua, right? He takes him into the promised land. Finally, it's perfect. Walk into the promised land. Everything's great, you know. Everyone receives them great. You know, they're, they're back at Eden. The promise had been fulfilled, right? Wrong. So they walk in, and it's war. It's chaos. It's sin. It's conquest. It was a mess trying to just make their way through, through Canaan. And they had these leaders over them that they called judges. One of them was Gideon and Deborah, Samson, etc. None of them filled, fulfilled the expectation that God had until they had a brilliant idea. We want kings. So we want to be just like the other, all the other countries. God, just give us Give us kings. And he's like, you don't want kings. No, we want kings. You sure you want kings? Yes, we want kings. Fine, I will give you kings. Have it your way. Saul, first king, sinned. David, sinned. Solomon, who built the temple, also sinned. And after the kingdom was divided, after Solomon had his son take over, divided the kingdom into the northern and the southern Kingdom, And they had 39 kings between the two of them over and over and over. Each one of them was a big disappointment with a, f- a few exceptions, but they were all sinners. All these kings were, were sinners. And the northern kingdom was, 
was invaded by the Assyrians and the southern kingdom. They survived for 200 years and then they were exiled to Babylon. Later they were allowed to come back and kind of rebuild the temple, but it was just a shadow of its, of its former glory. And then we have 400 years of biblical silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament where, where Israel was, was for the whole time under constant foreign rule except for about 80 years where they were, they were free, right? Through the Maccabean Revolt, which is what, what they celebrated in Hanukkah where they had 80 years of, of freedom. So how are we doing to this point? God seeking this people group that will follow him and love him. How's God's plan for creating this people group? And in the background of all this story that I'm sharing, there's the, the prophecies. There's going to be a ruler that's going to rule a kingdom, and his kingdom is going to be forever. But for so far, we're not doing too well. Adam failed, Noah failed, Abraham failed, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Saul, David, Solomon, 39 kings, all the judges, they all failed. They, never, they did not meet the requirement that God had. So we're talking about 2,000 years of history between Adam and Eve and the end of the Old Testament. Still, no one will lead a people that will love and follow God. Why? Why? Why has it been so hard? 2,000 years. Because there's a problem. No one qualifies so far in God's eyes to be approved, to be an approved leader who will bring a people that will love God. Even the best of the best fell short. We have 2,000 years of evidence. You see, this weight of being this person for God was too heavy for any human to bear. It was impossible. But then God does something incredible. This is, this is unbelievable. It's, it's, inc- it's, it's crazy even to try to wrap your mind around what God decided to do after this whole time period. You see, what he does is unbelievable. He, God, what he does is he, he basically puts human skin on, and he in himself becomes this leader that will lead these people that will allow for them to follow him. And he doesn't do it through human conquest, territory, power, glory, palaces, crowns, or violence. He does not do it that way. And he becomes in himself what Adam couldn't become, what Noah couldn't become, what Abraham couldn't become, what Moses couldn't become, what Joshua couldn't become, what Solomon couldn't become, what these 39 kings couldn't become, and what you and I could never become. And only one could. And his name is Jesus. So Jesus comes into the story and fulfills in himself the desire to have a leader who would lead people who would love him and follow him. And that's, that's the gospel. That, that, that is the gospel. So he comes into the world and creates a people group, not, not connected by, by heritage like the 12 tribes, but connected through faith in Jesus through the 12 disciples. But here's the problem. They had a perfect leader, Jesus. But what about the people? These guys were very imperfect. These, these guys, these 12 guys were sinners and they were unqualified. So how did Jesus resolve that? How did he make them the people that, that God was looking for from the beginning? We had to resolve the, the sin factor that disqualified everyone repeatedly for 2,000 years. 
That's where this verse comes in handy. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God, like we read at the beginning, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So through his death and resurrection, he qualified everyone, everyone, not through personal merit, but by the merits of Jesus. He now has this people group that he's seen in Jesus, through Jesus. He, he sees this people group through the perfection of Jesus, and he realizes that now they are qualified. And what is this people group called? It's the church. That's you and me. Ecclesia, which is a political term that means a gathering or an assembly or, or a group. And this group is not based on race or lineage or, or religion or gender or age or nationality, but by one thing, and it's faith in Jesus, is believing that this whole thing that I've shared is actually true. And Jesus chose a leader for this movement, Peter. He established the church with Peter, an imperfect leader, leading an imperfect people. He was satisfying God's plan, not by anything we did, but, what, but as a result of what Christ did for us. And that's the inauguration of the church, the ecclesia, the bride of Christ. John 14 says, and this is a beautiful image, that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So Jesus is saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave this place, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's talking about us, so we're, we're the bride of Christ. And so what it means is he's going to prepare a place for us. Like in, in Jewish tradition, when you were, when you were pledged to be married, the, 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 the groom would literally go to his father's house, many times would go to his father's house, and he would go and prepare a place for his bride. So he would leave, and he would go, and sometimes he would build like an extra room in, in, in the house of his father, and then he would come back, and they would get married, and that's where they would spend the rest of their lives. And so Jesus is, is telling his church, like, I'm, I'm going. In my father's house, there are many rooms. And then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that's where the church is here, waiting for Jesus to return as he's preparing this place for us. It's a beautiful image. But in the meantime, he tells, he tells Peter on this rock, Matthew 16, he says, on this rock, I will, I will build my church. And he did. And Acts chapter 2 tells us that they added to their number daily. Over time, people started joining this movement, including uh, a person called Paul, a Pharisee who turned into a follower of Jesus. He became a missionary and established churches all across Asia Minor. And the churches kept growing and growing. And this was an underground church. It was, it was on the fringes of society until about the year 300, we have the, the first, let's say, Christian Roman emperor. Named, it was Constantine who, who basically turned uh, the Romans, in the, the official religion of Rome, into Christianity. And that's the establishing of the Roman Catholic Church in the year 300. And then as a result of, of so many things that happened throughout history, which I won't, won't get into any details about necessarily right now, but over time... There was a reformation. There was, there was the, the reformation of the church, the Protestant reformation led by Martin Luther, a, a German priest, who, who basically said, we've we got to change some things here. Some, some people ask, like, what's the difference between a, 
a Catholic and, uh, and us? Like, what's, what's the main difference? Well, the main difference is our, is our view of the Scriptures. So, so Catholics, um, we have the Scriptures, of course, but the, the church is above the Scriptures. So the, the, the church is, is authority over the Scripture. And, and the difference with us is we've got, the, we've got the Scriptures and we're under the authority of, of the Scriptures. And so this was basically what the Reformation was, in essence, just trying to establish the authority of the Scriptures. But the problem is that, that after this, the, the, the Protestant started just multi-dividing themselves amongst so many denominations. Like to this point, it's even hard to count. But back then, there was this, uh, this group of people that didn't like this. They didn't like that the church was dividing and subdividing. And four guys, one guy named Barton Stone, maybe you've heard of him. Some of you may have Alexander Campbell, Thomas Campbell, and Walter Scott. In 1790, they decided to create a new reformation, which was almost the, not, not the opposite, but it's like all these churches were subdivided, and they called this a restoration. So it's the restoration movement of which we are, we are a part of. And the goal of the restoration movement is to, is to be able to set aside all these minor differences that have divided us over time and come together uh, in agreement with just a few essentials. And some of the, the words that they would use to describe this movement was this, where the Bible speaks, we speak, and where the Bible's silent, we're silent. Another thing that they would say is, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty, but in everything, love. And it was under this movement that in 1869, a farmer preacher named William Justice started Downey First Christian Church. This church met in various locations, and in 1874, a permanent building was constructed in the corner of 4th and New. Isn't that cool? So this is where you're sitting right now. That, that's the space where you are in right now. This is where we are in the biblical history right now. The people group that God so wanted to love and wanted them to follow him, the perfect leader, Jesus, that's, that's us. Now, not just our church. There are many different churches, but we are this people group that God has been looking for. We're waiting here for our groom to come and get us. And so I hope that I have connected some dots for you. I hope that this was helpful to you. But I want to explain to you why this is important. Number one is our leader, our leader is Jesus. God already chose him. Christ is the head of the church. Ephesians, you'll find that in Ephesians chapter 5. Number two, we are the people that God has always wanted who will love and follow him perfectly. And not that we are in ourselves perfect or qualified, but the sacrifice of Jesus qualifies us to be able to be this people group that God was looking for. That's why faith is so important. We place our faith in the finished work of Jesus, not in our own personal achievement. And so now that we know that, I want to talk to you guys next week. We're going to talk about two, the two essentials of the church, which is baptism and communion. You may say, oh, I know what that is. I know what baptism is. I know what communion is. Well, 
maybe you do and maybe you don't. Because sometimes you assume, we assume that we know certain things, but then we'll discover some things that we haven't realized that were there. And so I'm going to explain that to you uh, next, next Sunday. And so here's what I want to do now is I want, us to, I want us to close our eyes for a minute. I know this message was a little bit different than one you're used to, but I feel like this, is a, this was an important one to kind of anchor us and be able to understand where we're at, not, in, not just in our, pers- our specific church history, but in the totality of where we're at in the biblical narrative. And so let's close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to pray. And so... Maybe you're here today and you've, you've learned something new today that has opened your eyes to understand where you are at in the history of the church and in your own personal history. Maybe you realize now that, that Jesus is the leader that God was seeking for, looking for. He was looking for a leader and you realize that today. Maybe you hear and you, you realize that, that the peace that you were looking for, the shalom that you were looking for, the, the connection with the Almighty that you've always been looking for is actually available now as a result of what Christ did for you. Maybe you've discovered today that, that we are a church and, and, and the importance of church, that we are the bride of Christ that is waiting for our groom to come and get us. And you've realized today that there's nothing more that you can do to achieve a right standing with God other than just putting your faith in what Jesus already did. And maybe you're here today and you have never placed your faith in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you want to give your life to Christ today for the first time. And so if you are here today and you would like to receive the forgiveness, maybe you're here today and you realize that you're a sinner, you realize that you're not perfect, you realize that you need a Savior, you realize that Jesus is that Savior that you need. And if that's you here this morning with, your eyes, with eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand and put it right back down. Amen. God bless you. Amen. 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 So, Lord God, this morning, we just thank you. We thank you for your message today. Thank you because because you and yourself have fulfilled the need for this leader that will lead a people that will love and follow God. I thank you so much for this. I thank you for the hands that were raised. I pray, God, that you will bless them and keep them close to you every single day. So we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.